1: Stark to finish the over, England one to keep themselves in the series and out through point it goes for four what a mighty celebration from Markwood and Chris Wokes when Wokes walked in they needed 80 to win, they win by three wickets and the Ashes are well and truly alive 2-1 at Headingley Bryce McGain joins us to talk about the third Ashes test, of course, which England won by three wickets over there at Headingley last night. Bryce, welcome.
0: Thank you very much. And uh, a bit weary, but uh, yeah, another exciting finish in the test.
1: So, mate, it's on for young and old now, isn't it? The Ashes are alive and England have found a young star in Harry Brook. So uh, knocking them over is going to be a little bit harder. There's going to be three key wickets now.
0: Yeah, it has been, and uh, Harry Brook was a thorn in the side, and as they tried to adapt to how to get him out, um, he was scoring really freely. He was so aggressive and uh, putting away the boundary just about in the first couple of balls that each new bowler would come on. He would go and attack and assert himself. Um, It wasn't without risk. They went past the outside edge many, many times, and uh, there was a uh, a few chances. In the end, he wasn't able to be there when the winning runs were hit, but it was a superb innings by a young man.
1: So, can Australia play Dave Warner in the next Test now? Do you think, Bryce?
0: Look, it's a it's a good question. I think I think they they can and they will. I I, I just get the sense I, I think they'll want this group to go ahead, this batting group to go ahead and win the Ashes. He batted well for 60 odd in the second Test at Lords, um, and, and applied himself really well. A couple of miss out um, here in, in this in this game, but it really does look... I, I felt a little uneasy when he was just smiling, maybe bereft of ideas, um, when he went out last time. 17 times as Broad got him out, and uh, he looked a little lost when uh, when that all uh, unfolded, and as smiling as he walked off with, I don't have many more ideas here. So, look, that was a bit of a worry. I think with him, it's probably more mental than it is about hitting more balls or technical. I think he just needs to... just. I think it's another cricket ball coming to him rather than playing the man, so to speak. He just needs to worry about what the ball's doing and just go and play and play with freedom, uh, which he seemed to do when he was at Lord. So I think they'll go with him, but it does propose all sorts of opportunities, um, whether it be Harris coming in um, with the changes or shuffling the order around a bit with maybe Chris Green coming in and maybe Head going up the order. There's all sorts of things, because in one day cricket, a lot of these guys do bat up the top. So... I've got some experience at it, albeit red ball cricket, particularly in England. Very, very different proposition open the batting.
1: Yeah, no, it's He's got some things to do. It's a pretty good seed that got David Warner in the second dig, by the way. The one that um, pitches you on, bet. pitches on off from around the wicket and straightens. It's uh, uh, that'll get a lot of batsmen out. Um, but you're right. It's um, Dave Warner's always been a sea ball hit ball sort of batsman, and maybe he needs to get get back to that. Um, can you play two all rounders if you're Australia can Cameron Green and Mitchell Marsh play in the same team because Mitchell Mark has has to play now doesn't he
0: well he has to he's the form batsman uh, and and, and he's bowling as well getting that ball to move when the conditions were suiting he was able to get and beat the outside edge and got the key breakthrough uh, in the first innings as well and uh, look, uh, he's got to play Uh, coming off that sort of form you can't just leave those guys out you've got to go with the form so it, uh, it does create a bit of a headache, but why not play two WA all-rounders uh, in that middle order? Maybe it gives a- a- additional options to what they need to do. Maybe Green comes in and bowls a bit more um, and strengthens that batting line up all the way down because we know, and it- it's been... Uh Andrew McDonald talking about the overheads. When it gets cloudy, suddenly the ball can be moving around and then when it's sunny, it, it, it clears up. But having that extra depth in the batting lineup might be very, very valuable. So maybe it's bowling out and in comes another all-rounder. Something as simple as that and let the boys bowl a bit more.
1: Next question. Uh, Murphy is the spinner. Does he stay in the team? What do you expect from the pitch at Old Trafford and will that be conducive to a young off-spinner being able to have an impact?
0: Yeah, I think it, 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 an important balance uh, for Australia is having a spin option in there. He, he is Australia's next best option behind, obviously, Nathan Lyon. So I, I think that if, through balance, they will go with that. They didn't quite trust Trav Head when, uh, at Lord's. Um, he can bowl handy off spin, but he's certainly not as um, as uh, tuned in, I suppose, as a specialist spinner as uh, Todd Murphy. One thing I do know about him, Dove, is that he would have learnt, he would have adapted. The the experience that he had in the little cameos that he bowled, particularly against Stokes when he was on that heater in the first innings, um, he he would have learnt so much about where to bowl, what to set the field, how to calm him down, how to give him one and bowl to the batsman at the other end. Those types of things um, he, he would have just programmed himself in. He'll work on that. I've got nine days. Um, they all have a bit of a break now, two or three days off. They'll go and refresh. Um, although it wouldn't surprise me one bit, Todd Murphy would be bowling every day, just executing those plans, putting himself in what he needs to do in that fourth test.
1: And I think we've found out now that Mitch Stark has to play, haven't we? I mean, I know he leaks runs a bit, but everyone does with baseball. Ball and Mitch Stark has a strike rate. He takes wickets.
0: Place, five wickets, uh, it was nearly going to turn the game, I was looking at how many more wickets we need, we need four more and he had four at that stage, I said he could end up with eight because he could just blow it away and I think even just those wide balls that, with the big angle going across to take the outside edge as they look to blaze it through the offside, you know, that that's still a wicket-taking ball with the protection on the boundary, so look we knew they were going to be odd fields and uh, there would be a bit more protection out. And that probably suits Stark a bit because he's wicked-taking balls as good as any. That late-moving one, blasting through defences or bar- blasting through drives or taking outside edges. Um, yeah, he, he's a genuine strike weapon. And yeah, we, we do need him and that change in the team. So, yeah, I would be absolutely including him in that fourth test.
1: Bryce McGain, his thoughts, of course, uh, always joins us and uh, offers great insights in cricket. Bryce, sorry to keep you waiting today, mate. Um, We were waffling on about football disasters over here in Western Australia. Thanks for joining us. Look forward to more of your insights as the Ashes go on.
0: I'll let you get back to that football. It's a bit of work to be done there. You might need a few more hours uh, to to keep honing in on where the issues are in WA football, but... uh Great to catch up with you and have a ripper day,
1: right? Yeah, they're like the uh, Australian bowling attack. The issues are many and varied at the moment. <laughs> Thanks, Bryce. All right, we'll take a break have a good one. and be back to wind up the show after the break.